All right, y'all, we're rolling. Oh, we're rolling now. Yeah. We're rolling now. Let's pay some bills before we get into this. Don't get dunked on by an insurance company. Call Morgan & Morgan, and they'll fight to get you full compensation after a car crash or other injury. They've recovered billions of dollars for people, and hiring them is 100% free unless you win. Visit ForThePeople.com forward slash pill for a free case review. If you get into an accident, you're much more likely to get that big payout if you have solid representation and the people over at Morgan & Morgan are willing to be that representation for you. Don't pass up the chance. So, first of all, you guys have to do something. See, here's the thing. When when the podcast, when we were doing the podcast before, there would always be white people in the room. Always. Because the podcast producers were white. Mm. And, you know, and so I would make the white people clap for whoever my guest was. Yeah. Because that was my own little fiefdom that I had. So I'd be like, white people clap for whoever's in the room. And it was yeah. great. Now, no more white people. None. There, there's no more white people. Right now, tell, tell everybody your name, sister. My name is Tribble. Tribble, she is our engineer for this for our session today. We, her, and I were talking earlier about Ohio, um, and she's she also she came up with the description of RZA that I've never heard before. She said that RZA has a thick tongue. Now, don't have RZA come looking for me for. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not gonna. He's not gonna come look for you, but. You said he had a thick tongue. RZA listens to this podcast. He's definitely going to come look for you. Yeah, he definitely he's is. He's definitely going to be in DMs like, yo, what's up? No shade. No shade. But you know what I mean. I mean that the, that RZA has a thick tongue? Yeah. When like, he yeah, talks, I, it sounds I, I, like it's a little in the way. Well, I get it. But just, you know, I've never heard that before. He's the thick tongue. <laughs> I tell you, girl, she got a thick tongue. Anyway, so what we're going to do is everybody clap. Clap for the Red Pill Podcast. We're here. Clap for the Red Pill Podcast. My man, before we get to before we get all deep into it, is to tell them, tell everybody who you are, brother. Well, uh, and well, you may know me from Insecure. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're not from Insecure, you probably know me from American Crime. And if anything, your kids heard of me on Alvin and Chipmunks. Alvin and Chipmunks. My name is Jean Ellie. Jean, I did not know. By the way, me and Jean are neighbors. Yeah, like like Jean is on this podcast. Me and Jean are neighbors. I did not realize that he was. We live in the Arch District, downtown LA. I did not realize that this nigga was omnipresent. Everywhere I go, I, I see him. I see him. we live in the same apartment park complex. I see him down in the, the the little study building. I see him talking to people, mad people, and I just like, yo, man, come in and let's chop it up on the podcast. Facts. I just that's, is that that's, bullshit though? That, I see no, you, that's facts. I see you everywhere. So you Alvin and Chipmunks, you do a voice on Alvin and Chipmunks? Yeah, I did a voice on Alvin and Chipmunks uh, a couple years back, and I played Biggie Large, basically like a Biggie Smalls character. Biggie Smalls character. Yeah. How do you get the voice acting money? Because that's what everybody is listening to this podcast trying to figure out. Bro, I stumbled into that by accident. Tell us how you stumbled into it. So I'm in acting class, and this kid asked me, he's like, yo, can you do a voiceover of these lines and then like send it over to my, so my father wants to re- hear it. Didn't know it was Alvin Chipmix, didn't know it. Why did he ask you to do that? Because we were just cool. Right. We were just cool in class. Right. And then he goes, so I make the tape. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to do it for real. I go to my boy's house, who's like mm-hmm. an engineer. Yeah. I go to his crib and do the recording. I send it over to him, and he's like, yo, my dad wants to meet you. He's like, can you come up to the crib? I was like, where's the crib? He was like, Santa Barbara. I'm like, all right. God damn, you got to go. God damn. I was like, uh, that's all not, right. That's not come up to the crib. That's a weekend trip. Yeah, he was like, come up to the crib. I'm like, all right, bet. 
So I drive up there and I'm like, where I said, am I at the right address? Because yeah. like, the dude looks like he's just like a regular dude. Like, but his dad lived in a fucking castle or some shit like this that. This dude a lived in a compound. He lived in all of, <laughs> all of downtown LA. Like, they right. literally own all of downtown. I'm looking at this crib like, God damn. Right. And then I'm like, oh, you know, it's no big deal. Like, it's cool. Mm-hmm. And the dude's like, yeah, I don't really like living here like that. I'm like, he's like, I like doing my own thing. I'm like, bro, you live. That's what, as you know, Ugh. that's one of my favorite things about like white dudes like that. I'm assuming these people are white. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, <laughs> safe assumption is that people is <laughs> like, if if my pops was a dude from the fucking and it had the compound, you would not hear the end of that shit. Like I would be like watching shit on TV. Like you couldn't watch Million Dollar Listening with me if that was my dad because I would be consistently shitting on the homes that you see on there. I'd be like, that's nice, but have y'all seen my shit? Facts. Because bro. My, my because my shit is amazing. So you went up there and you talked to him. I talked to him, talked to his father and his dad. Who was is like, his dad, by the way? Uh Michael. Hold on. I don't even have the name on shit. But like they just owned the Alvin and Chipmunks fan. Alvin oh, and so they so they they actually were the Alvin and Chipmunks. This is not the movie people. They own Alvin and they Chipmunks. They own Alvin and Chipmunks. See what I'm saying? They rich, rich. They rich, rich. That's a rich out like, of that, that, They own Alvin and the Chipmunks. They own, they own the Chipettes. They own, they own Dave. Everything. They own everyone. They Alvin, own, Simon, and Theodore. It's literally a family business. Like, everybody does the voices of every other character. Like, they own... Every single thing. And their crib is literally like going to a resort. <laughs> mm. It's amazing. So you did the voice for him? Yeah, I did the voice for him. And I was like, this is crazy. So when, so here's the thing. Uh, I love this. I love when a rapper is about to get signed because they have to go into like Columbia or like fucking Sony. I guess that's the same thing. Or go to one of these things. And then they have to like perform in this room with all of these White people like Which the looks vo- weird as fuck. The fu- Remember when Bobby Schmurter yeah, did it? Yeah, I saw that when and by, uh, hold your head, Bobby. But when Bobby Schmurter did it and he's standing up and he's doing hot nigga, and it's all of these people in there. Did that happen to you? Did no. you have to do a voice for a room full of white Alvin and the chipmunks? Did you have to go in there and do that? Let me hear it. Come on. Come on. What's your name? John? Let me hear it. Did you have to do that? Nah, not at all, bro. Well, how'd, like, how'd it go? Not at all. Like it was just like, all right, cool. This is the booth. This is the thing. This is the, the crib. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want some coffee or tea let's get this working right and that was it that was really what it was and it was for the movie that you did this for it's for the tv show for the tv because they're reviving the nick jr show okay yeah so and now they made it like 3d characters oh so so it's like alvin like a futuristic alvin and chipmunks and shit Mm -hmm. like that yeah which 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 uh which chipmunk do you do you identify with oh be honest kids if you're too young just fucking jump back in for me it's like i fuck with um Simon, mm-hmm. but I do feel like I'm Alvin. Though. I'm Theodore. You're Theodore. I got. Is, if I'm being honest, if really? I'm being honest, I'm the chubby, lovable chipmunk. That's who I am. In that's my heart. that's who my character was. Uh, I was coercing him out of working with, working with his brothers. You were trying to break up the fucking I was chipmunks. To break them up. Bro, because they wasn't I wouldn't respect- play that role, bro. They, they wouldn't. I, like, they wasn't on, on God, it. on God, I wouldn't play that role. How? It's, why not? It, it, it's, it, like I would not play a role. That actually just pissed me the fuck off. I would not play the role of the dude who is trying to break up the chipmunks. How could you live with yourself, bro? His, his, they wasn't respecting Theodore, bro. <laughs> they wasn't respecting him. 
The, my man had bars and it wasn't respecting him. They wouldn't give him a shot. They wouldn't give him his shine. What kind of bars? What was Biggie Large? Was first of all, is he a chipmunk? Nah, he's a human. And so what, Biggie Large is a human. Yeah, he's a human. What does he look like? Like Biggie Smalls. He looks like Big. He looks like Big. Okay, real quick. Disrespectful to Big's memory to have Big come in there. I don't feel like if Big was still with us that he would be trying to break up the chipmunks. I really don't think that that would be happening. Now, here's the thing, though. Big is all about making your own money, making a lane for yourself, right? Word up. And standing up for yourself, right? Yeah. They wasn't, they wasn't fucking with my boy Theodore. You know what I'm saying? Not like really. They were just literally like, Theodore, like, yeah, I got some, I got some um, lyrics I wrote. They're like, nah, we good. Album like, nah, we good. So he wrote his own bars, posted it online. And I heard him. I was like, yo, fam, you should come join the money team. You should come join the money team, dog. Let's make this bread. Oh, my God. Talk to us about Insecure, though. Because that's like that's the one that you use to get into the club. Uh, gosh, I don't even say something. I let my boys do it. Insecure is so hot that everyone that's associated with Insecure, that goes for you, Sarunas, all, all, all y'all, everybody, because we, everybody's like, yo, it's from Insecure. Insecure really gets you, it's, Insecure ain't open no doors for of you? Of course. Insecure has opened mad doors for me. Like, mm. I think Issa on the low all the time, like, yo, yo, thank you, yo. Like, things work out so well. Okay, like, that was him, his yeah, way of like, telling you guys that he yeah, has Issa on the text. Yeah, Go I was ahead. like, yo, thank you, thank you, yo, thank you, like, you're amazing. Because, like, She's opened so many doors. Being on that show has opened so many doors. It got me the opportunity to create my own stuff. Word. It got me. The, it walks me into rooms. Of course, like it's you're on a show insane. that is that is a culture defining show, yeah. an iconic show that doesn't yeah. happen for very many actors ever, and it's happening for you right now. You're still a young cat getting it. Yeah, man. And I and I I almost didn't end up on the show because I was so scared. I was scared to play of the role. Of Why the were you mom. scared? Because of insecurity, not thinking that I would be able to do it right. Um, what about the role made you insecure? The role, the guy's a gay character. So what? I didn't know if I could play it right, and not and not and not characterize him. Okay, you know what I'm saying? I didn't want to characterize him one mm -hmm. because I have gay friends who will sh kill me if I if I fuck it up. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Like if I like try to make it into a cartoon character. Mm -hmm. I wanted to play like the realest way possible. Right. Um how did you research it? I just went online, spoke to people, talked right. to friends. Right. Um then Did like, you have any gay friends that offered to help you do deep, deep research for the role? I had gay friends who really <laughs> wanted to offer insight of what it's like to be a gay man. <laughs> I got about, you. What it's like to be an uh, a gay man a gay black man. So let me ask you this. Speak to that real quick because in the time that we live in right now, inclusion and representation is very, very important. It's, it's actually, I'm, I'm not going to say that it's important in the times that we live in right now. It's always been important, but there was a time when no one gave a fuck about it, so they didn't do it. In your particular situation, playing a gay character, were there people who told you, yo, that role should have been cast by someone who was gay? Not to start. Not to no. start. Not not at first. Not at first. Hmm. Not at first. Did that? Did you eventually end up hearing that? Of course, because I got interviewed by a gay dude, and he didn't know that I was not gay. Oh, what up? So when he found out I was gay, he went to Twitter like, "Yo, like I can't believe they just casted a straight dude to play a gay guy," and he was just trying to bash. He was trying to bash me online. Do you like, understand that perspective though? Of course. Of so course. How, how do you react to that being in that position? There's nothing I can say about it. It's like it's like look. 
I'm playing somebody and I'm representing somebody and I'm representing them in an honest way. I fooled you. You didn't think I was a straight guy. Right. So like, clearly I'm doing a good job. Word up. At, at representing. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'm not car- characterizing what a gay man should be, what a gay man should look like. I'm playing it as honest as possible. Mm-hmm. And it's really, there's no difference between a mall, any man in a mall. Like a mall is literally a guy who lives his life, does what he wants, um, and he just happens to like other guys. That's it. Yeah, I think that's I think that's very important to talk about because the one thing that helps strip people of their humanity uh, is to paint them in um, in a way or make them look in a way as if they are something uh, different or how can I put this? There's there's a oneness sometimes that people don't feel. Uh, with the LGBT community. Mm. They don't feel like they go about their lives and go about their existences the same way that straight people do, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so the fact that when we have conversations, we go, yo, this guy's just a character who happens to be gay. And sure, there are cultural indicators and cultural things that come mm-hmm. along with that. Of course. Um, but as far as the emotional core of that character, it's a human being that's no different from the rest of us. Uh, so it, it, it's it's really when you feel that oneness, that's how you can also feel the 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 pain and want to see somebody as safe as possible. And mm-hmm. sometimes we don't feel that. Was it difficult for you to tap in to how that character would have to move because of those differences, or did you just say fuck it? I'm gonna play a character straight up, uh, and everybody else can just look at the performance. Meaning, did you try to tap into the pain or the angst or the experience of gay of gay people, or did you just play the character as it was written on the page? I played the character as it was written on the page, one, and then also to tap into that whole thing is like gay dudes have it, gay black men have it worse than gay white dudes, sure. right? Period. Um, they have to deal with being black and then have to deal with being gay. Mm-hmm. Then they have to deal with people in their own community not accepting them. Right. Uh, me being as a Haitian man growing up, growing up, like I'm first, you identify me as black, right. but then I'm Haitian. So growing up, a lot of people looked at me like, oh, he's a Haitian, he's HBO, Haitian boot, like um, Haitian body odor. They would make fun of the Haitians. But I'm like, yo, we look the same. Mm-hmm. But then I would be made fun of just for being a Haitian person. Right. Like these gay black men, they look the same as us. Right. Why are they being made fun of? They for, are the same as us. They're the same, they're the same as us. Yeah. Like why are they being made fun of just because of their sexual preference? Right. And why does that have to be the qualifier like of who, of who, what type of person that their person is? Yeah. It's like, there's no need for that. Like, mm-hmm. it's the same thing I felt. But, like, I'm not trying to equate being Haitian and being gay the same thing. It's not because it's, like, it's rough because you have to, you're fighting everybody all, on all sides being a black man who's gay. You know right. what I'm saying? Right. Like, they have a lot to deal with. No, I get it. Do you feel like since you've played the character that you've learned anything? Oh, I've learned a lot. Tell, talk about that a little bit. Like, what learned, have you learned? I've learned a lot. I've, I get very offensive with the word, um, with the F word mm-hmm. when it comes to um, a gay man. I get very offensive with that. Like when people say that around me, I'm like, yo, watch your mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've learned that what's called not every, not every gay man is the same. I've learned that there's problems within the LGBTQ community 
between black gays and white gays. That's something I just recently learned. Like, I've learned that. Right. The um, Ellen thing taught me that. Mm-hmm. That there were some people that were upset. Of course, you guys remember now, Kev got in some trouble a little while ago, uh, ran afoul of the, the LGBTQ community. He talked about it on Ellen's show. And I talked to personal friends of mine uh, that told me they had a big fucking problem with uh, a white gay woman talking to Kevin Hart about that because it was specifically, in their opinion, uh, the the black gay culture or black gays that he offended. Mm-hmm. And so they wanted the opportunity to tell Kevin Hart just how how they felt about that situation. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, whatever you feel about that situation in and of itself, that's the first time that I realized that there was sort of a schism or could at least be perceived a schism between black gays and white gays. I never knew that that was a thing. But anytime there's a racial line anywhere, you should assume that there's going to be some type of divide. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That, that Ellen thing doesn't even touch on the schism between white gays and black gays. Talk to me about it. White gay men are still white men. Mm-hmm. You know, and so the privilege and the air of privilege that comes with that is is sometimes even worse when it comes to men who are uh, loud. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And uh, unpack that for me. Boisterous. You know, I don't know. Gay men get a, and not all gay men are the same. No. We're recognizing and acknowledging that. I'm a gay person myself, mm-hmm. um, but gay men are often, you know what I'm saying, more boisterous, flamboyant. You know what I'm saying? And being a, and being a white man with this kind of like uh, diverse thing, you know, you feel like you are. Uh, supposed to be in spaces or that spaces that are not made for you should be yours just because you have this like gay flag so the privilege on top of your privilege do they they wait you feel like some wave that privilege to gain inclusion into absolutely. things absolutely right absolutely when yeah see i see and listen. they're still very exclusive when it comes to the culture you know white gay men don't often want to share space with black mm. gay men and, and it's that's the culture is completely different but it's so fucked up it's it is really fucked it's up. so fucked up but man. it is what it is because you know things that shouldn't be it is what it is like i think that's just that's just wrong well i mean to be honest with you i mean when you look at something like that privilege is so deeply ingrained like you don't you're not taught privilege you breathe it you see what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. you don't, like, you don't, like, privilege is not something that's taught. Like, you breathe privilege. Privilege is as part of your existence. And that, and that's whatever privilege you have, right? As a man, I have privilege over women. That privilege wasn't even, no one even, no one even had to tell me, hey, your opinions and yours are, are worth more in society than women's are. It was literally just thrust upon me. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way I was socialized, uh, the way I was socialized versus the way my sisters were socialized, things I saw my mother do, things I saw my father do, mm-hmm. it, it it was just given. And so to undo that takes a significant amount of effort. And the first thing that you have to do to combat privilege is to let people know when they're enacting it. Mm-hmm. Like when, when, when someone is enacting their privilege and when someone's putting it on you or, or giving, you have to let them know Okay, that's something I can't do. Mm. Do you want to engage in this behavior, or do you want to live in a society where we all have that 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 same privilege, right? And so, when a group is marginalized or oppressed, you think that it would dissipate, or it wouldn't be as big of a deal, but it doesn't. Like brothers, we still have tremendous amounts of privilege over sisters. Yeah, I really didn't know because 
I'm gonna be real with you. Whenever I would see like my sister's a lesbian, whenever yeah. I would see her and her gay friends, it looked like I mean, obviously living in South Baton Rouge, living in South Baton Rouge, they weren't having that much fun being gay, but they always looked so. This sounds crazy. They just looked like it was they were. They seemed full of life, like everybody was having a good fucking time. Mm -hmm. And then, obviously, I know that they couldn't be out and and out loud as themselves and like out in society. But within the group of gays, it seemed like everything was all good. Literally, it's been the last two, three years that I've learned that that privilege that you just discussed was a major dividing line. Uh, in the gay community. Yeah, it, it definitely comes down to space making. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Spaces at large are made for white people. Facts. You know, made by white people for white people. And especially in the in uh, the LGBTQ space that um, we've been talking a lot lately about the erasure of black trans women in, in uh, the LGBT liberation movement um, and their role in it because it was largely just given to gay men you know even mm-hmm. when we talk about the AIDS crisis of the 80s we talk about uh, the white men who sure. um, who worked on th- that behalf or who uh, succumbed to it during that but then we forget that decades after that we still had black men we had the the down low thing mm-hmm. happening. And that well, was, AIDS is still ravaging our communities. Exactly. By the way. Yeah, exactly. And and that's something we don't talk about a lot. No. So for you, I'll talk, I'll, I'll ask about another a part of this because I actually haven't had anyone. So when we talk about other actors, I've known other actors that have said, yo, they straight up wouldn't play a gay part. Yeah. Like they, they, they wouldn't. And that's immature. That's just immaturity. Honestly. Okay. That's like, that's because they're they're scared of what their friends are gonna say, mm-hmm. what what their people like. You know what I'm saying? What their what their inner circle is gonna say to them about them behind their backs? Like they're scared of that. Were you? Did you have? Was there any part of, of you course, that? Of course, yeah. of course. Like after season two, episode one aired, uh, boy called my homie called me. He was like, "Yo, that's dope. Are you gay?" <laughs> Really got a check. All right. I was like, can't tell you, blah blah. This and because I wasn't able to like talk about the character like that. Like, oh, I, I see. I wasn't able to talk about the character like that. But people figured it out at the end of season two when I was like in the car. I was like, I was like, ground rule: don't bring no niggas into the crib unless I'm fucking them. Blah, right. blah, blah. You know what I'm saying? Like going off like that, and be like, oh, he's gay. I didn't know he was gay. And then like now people were like, oh, then people started like arg- there was like an argument of is he gay? Is he straight? Is he gay? Is he straight? Like is he on the is he on the spectrum? Like mm-hmm. what's going on with them all? Right. Um, and so that happens. I I wonder if that's a natural thing that happens sometimes because I'm not, I'm not when I, I, I for years I wondered after watching The Wire whether Michael K. Williams was gay. Mm-hmm. Um, and after a while, just because you would, especially during that time when I was still in my 20s, right? Mm-hmm. I would just think, yo, if you weren't gay, how could you? Because it that was a very sort of honest and unflinching depiction of a gay man's life. Mm-hmm. They were in bed together naked. They were mm-hmm. kissing deeply and so after a while I was like yo I look at it this way love is love bro I get yeah yeah I love get it love is love man. like I, I get if it, you want to love someone love them all the way now I don't <laughs> think that when when a, when that pops up is that's even a, a consideration of mine the only thing that I think though is what we talked about earlier I wonder uh, if it's fair for a straight man to play a gay role just because we want more representation in the space so I'm gonna ask you this if you were cast in the role, would you cast you or would you go with the gay actor? 
or would you go with who is ever best? Do you think it's important for like gay people to have those spaces where they're playing? You trying themselves? to talk me out of my own job? I'm not trying to talk <laughs> me out of my job. I'm just asking. You trying to talk me out of my own I'm job? Like, I'm, 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 I'm asking. Nah, if um. I would go whoever's best. Okay. I would go who would give me the best depiction of what I was looking for for that character. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's what I would go for. Like, okay. it doesn't really matter for me. Like, I would just go for whoever's best. Like, if mm-hmm. if you happen to be gay as well, that's perfect. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, whoever's best for the role, if you happen to be gay for it as well, then it's even better because now we could we could really play. Right. And you now the representation is where it is and all of that stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um. You're talking to me about the fact that you just recently went to Haiti. Yeah. You don't have the uh, opinion of Haiti to everybody else. Everybody acts like Haiti's all fucked up, but you say it's not. It's not. Um, No, it's fucked up. Government-wise, it's fucked up. Right. But uh, it's still beautiful. Isn't it important to go to these places? The narrative that people get put put out about some of these places, especially places where so many black people live, isn't it important to go experience these places and experience these people? You have to go and experience it for yourself. Like, my parents have tried to scare me out of going to Haiti my whole life. And they're Haitian. And they're Haitian. Born and raised in Petronville. You know what I'm saying? Like, literally try to instill fear in me of going. My mm-hmm. father goes often. My father goes often, but my mother would be like, no. Mm-hmm. She's like, you, you're you too friendly. You're nice. You talk to a lot of people. It's going to be bad. They could kidnap you. This could happen. All these bad things can happen to you. I went there for the first time, the beginning of this year, with my boy Eric. And it was amazing. Like, Eric Andre is Haitian. He's Haitian and Jewish. Mm-hmm. And he was like, yo, I got to go too. My- Eric Andre from the Eric Andre show? Yeah. One of my favorite shows. Yeah, like his father didn't want him to go either. Right. And then we went for the first time together and it was the best experience ever. Like mm. with the people, hanging out with the people. I speak the language fluently. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. More so conversant because I'm not that good at reading it. Right. But like it was so fun, so cool to experience the culture and be in it. And then for them to think that I wasn't that I was born there and I came to the States after the fact. Right. Like, that was like they, such you a bad felt, honor. Like, yeah. Right. That you felt like they really had a sense of your soul as a Haitian man. Mm-hmm. Right. They, and that's all that due to my mom and my father and like my family members mm-hmm. and like, and the people I grew up with in Boston. Like, you know what, 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 what specifically do you feel like what notions were, um, dispelled about hey when you actually went there and 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 was with the people like what what did you find out to not be true thing i found out not to be true is that they're running around just robbing you at the airport Mm. like as soon as you get to the airport they're robbing you no it's not that's not what's happening um that they are that Actually, that was actually true. Um, the corruption is actually true. <laughs> the cor- the cor- no, the, I'm talking about the corruption. Is actually oh, the true. corruption. Oh, yeah, I corruption. thought you was about to say no, no, no. They're, no, really they're, not, they're, not, they're not really robbing you, but like the the corruption part, like or the loopholes. But then again, it's like that's just no one really wants to pay full price for anything, right? And everybody wants to like try to find a way to get out um, out of paying taxes for shit. You know what I'm saying? Like you have these huge ass cribs in Haiti. And you think that everything is dilapidated and looks all fucked up. Mm-hmm. But when you get there, once you pass these brick cinder block, cinder, cinder block wall fences, you go in, it looks like villas, you know? It's beautiful. Like, these houses are beautiful. And now, um, you walk in these places and you're like, this is really dope. Like, this is, an, this is a very beautiful place. They just don't paint the front of their walls or paint this 
just so they could avoid taxes, mm. tax purposes on those places. Right. So, but in the inside, it's dope. It's freaking amazing. So, being that you're Haitian and that's such an important cultural imprint on you, uh, on your life, obviously, uh, mm. that's different than like, you know, from South Louisiana. Mm. We have our own culture in our state and in our region, but I'm a black dude. Mm. You are a Haitian dude and a black dude. Mm. What do you feel like growing up? Um, did you feel different from other black kids that were around? Yeah, I felt different growing up um growing up around other black kids. Uh I remember a time where when I like knew there was like a big thing. Cause my father, my friend was calling me. Um, I was in elementary and he called me and he called me HBO. What's that? What's that? You mentioned Haitian, that, that means Haitian body odor. Haitian body odor. So it was the way they used to make fun of Haitian kids. They used to make fun of Haitian kids. That's a new one. African uh, booty scratcher, I've heard. African yeah, booty they scratcher had African is, booty is scratcher classic. too. Um, but they said HBO, your Haitian body odor. And I didn't I was like, I was like, hottest boy out. Yeah, I know. He, uh, my hottest boy out. This nigga. But, but my life. Did but, you stink? A uh, question though, did you stink? No. Are you sure? Yeah, because you really can't because, smell because, yourself. No, yeah, because you can't smell yourself. Yeah. Here's the deal: a lot of people go, "Yo, when I was a kid, people used to complain and said that I was stinky and stuff like that." Some of y'all, y'all stank. And, not, and not I. You, you sure? I'm positive because my mother did not play that shit with anybody. I believe you. I, believe, mother, I, 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 I guess I believe you. My mother did not play that shit. She didn't. Like, mm -mm. She's like, as soon as you. There also are whole families that stink as well, though. That is true. You have you ever seen like a stinky family? Absolutely. Yeah. And everybody. Have you ever have you ever been friends with someone that stinks and you trying to figure out a way to tell them? Well, yeah, I've been absolutely. friends. Like, <laughs> I, like I was friends. I was friends with not somebody who who stank body odor wise, but I was friends with someone who had really. When I say the worst breath, I know I mention a lot of names on this podcast, but I will never mention this name because this would be devastating. They still, I, you still talk to them closely? They, they live in Louisiana, but they have maybe like the worst breath I've ever, ever. When I say they have the worst breath I've ever tasted because the breath was so fucking bad that you could taste it. I know. That's the worst. You know what I'm you that is the worst. It. When you smell so bad, mm -hmm. I could taste you in the air around you. Right. That's like the worst. And it, it, you can, it, it, it fills the whole air. Like one time we was in the car, this nigga was heating the whole fucking car up. So I stopped at the fucking Circle K. I go out and I go get some gum, some of the little, they used to have those little things you could little, drop little, them, little, little, drops. little drops and stuff like that. And I'm like, <laughs> we, we, we about to hit a party. It's a Delta party, as a matter of fact. We about to hit a party <laughs> and I, I hit him with the drops. He's like, man, I don't like the way that shit be tasting. I fuck up what I'm going to eat later. I'm like, nah, dog. You need to know how Hit like that it. fucking <laughs> drop, dog. Drop that shit on, that's on God. You'll be walking to this bitch. But nah, I knew that. So I was just asking because sometimes people say, people say that they stink and sometimes you really do stink. But they would say those things to you and that let you know that kind of indicated that there was a difference between you and some of the other kids. Yeah, and then really what indicated was like my father picked up the phone because he was trying to figure out who was on the phone, who mm -hmm. was on the phone with, and he heard him say that and he just started riffing on the phone. In what language? In Creole. See? He started riffing on the phone. Which probably deepened the divide. Yeah. Because they're like, yo, what is this nigga talking about? Yeah, so like, and mm -hmm. also like growing up, it's like I spoke Creole in the house mm -hmm. and then when I'm at school, people were speaking English, you know what I'm saying? And I was like, oh, oh, there, there's a little, there's a little difference in going on here too. But I wasn't, it didn't really play for me until like, I think at that moment it was like, oh, okay, this is what's going on here. And then also when you're a Haitian kid growing up, you wasn't wearing the fly shit. You didn't have mm. the Nikes. You didn't have the Jordans. You didn't have all that stuff. So that, and all the black kids had like the Jordans. They had the Nikes. I was wearing K-Swiss. Right. I was wearing Payless. I was wearing church clothes to school. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And it was that, was that, was that just a, 
that was the result of your family not being uh, financially financially yeah. financially there and also my mother thinks that that's how you look good mm-hmm. like in order for you to look good you have to be in church clothes right you know what I'm saying you gotta be dressed up to the nine to go to school because right. that's what they were doing in Haiti it was like they were uniforms mm-hmm. so I'm like nah I want some Nikes I want some like Jordans I want a champ hoodie you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying but my older brother would get that stuff and I would like take his stuff and wear that. And then wear it. And wear his stuff. Well, did your mom push back on it? Because some of those cultural indicators are very, very important to immigrant groups. Did she push back? In it? When you, when when your parents saw you sort of assimilating, well, not really assimilating, you were born here, you're yeah. American. When your parents saw you uh, sort of embracing American culture, was there any sort of pushback from them to make sure that you knew that you had Haitian roots and that this is the way they wanted you to look? Was there any sort of battle of the cultural sort of yeah. titans right there? Uh, my brother did everything first. So like he would get in trouble for it and then it'd be like, nah, you can't do it. Right. Um, like braiding your hair was not, was a no-go. Like mm. I didn't start braiding my hair till like now. Right. <laughs> uh, getting so, a, did you have hair, and you just I had. I would have. I could. Ha- I could start growing hair, but as soon as it gets too long, they would cut it to me. Like you're not supposed to have your hair braided because you braid your hair, you're a bum, you're a hoodlum. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, my dad was like that with the backwards cap. Yeah, my my father was like, and I started wearing. He didn't blue. like that shit. My father didn't like that shit either. Like, I started wearing a lot of blue because I like the. I started liking the color blue, and my father was like, oh, you're in a gang now. Cripping. I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> Far from it. And like. Mm-hmm. Red's my favorite color, not blue. So, so like, you're a blood then. This guy over here. <laughs> Mixing. God damn, you get fucked up on these streets, bro. You better be careful. Yo, so um, yeah, that's funny because like I remember when I first moved out here and I went to a party in Compton and I wore like a whole red flannel, mm-hmm. all that stuff. I didn't know where I was, but mm-hmm. I'm like just chilling. And then everybody's like, yo, man, like they said something, something. And they were like, yeah, you know, this lucky we're in a blood territory. I was like, yeah. I said, like, where the fuck am I right now? Yeah, because I like, mean, you know, LA is very confusing. It's, like, it's, it's confusing because it doesn't go by, like, we have whole neighborhoods. It's block to block here, like block to block, and these these sets bang on each other sometimes. But it's block. To, but shout out to everybody out there, man. I'm good with everybody, and I want to keep it that way. So let's get off that. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, I'm but, just confused. Before we went, I was confused because everything looked nice. To me. Yeah, I mean, we beautiful. Where, where I'm from, the slums, like we have intense poverty. They look, you know, you are gonna get fucked up. Here, you could be in a place that look kind of cool, but you'll still get fucked up. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. Yeah. So right, yeah, you were saying, on. you were saying, uh, there was a battle in your household between About, the Haitian cultural edicts and American yeah, black American. No, culture. it gets you. You can't get your ears pierced. You can't do none of that stuff. Right. Like they wasn't having it. Um, and then all my friends were like going out late. They would be out and partying. Like if I went out to a party, everybody would be like, oh my God, Jean's here. He's here late. Oh my God, that's crazy. Because they would be partying. They'd go to clubs. They were like, there was like, like high school clubs. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, I remember those. Those places where you can go and party and dance. Yeah. And my parents was not having that. You know what it sounds like to me you had? Some really great fucking parents. <laughs> That's what, like, it, it, it sounds like to you. You're like, yo, I couldn't braid my shit up. I couldn't get tattoos. I couldn't do all this. It sounds like to me. I couldn't party with you everybody. You had some really good well, I think it wasn't time to party. It was time for you to do what my dad calls, get your lesson. My dad would be like, hey, You buddy. wasn't feeling that, that, feeling that way then? No, that, at, that time, nah, exactly. at that time. No, I'm going to be real with you. At that time, sometimes I would look 
because a lot of my homies, they didn't have dads and shit. I, I talked about this before. And they was doing what the fuck they wanted to do. And sometimes I look at my dad like, nigga, why did you have to come around, nigga? <laughs> like, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, these guys out here, they still playing Madden. I'm in here, like, nose in the book and, you know, to cleaning out the dog pen and all of that stuff like that. But, you know, after a while, those things that your parents instilled in you became your work ethic and now yeah. it you successful and shit like yeah, that. Yeah, definitely. Because my parents, we were, like, really raised by, like, my older brother, honestly. Because oh. my mother worked two jobs. Mm. She, and there was five kids in the house, so was, they, she worked two jobs. She would work from 9 p.m. to 6 a.m., make sure we eat, then send us off to school, work in the middle of the day. Then when we get back from school, she'd be home, feed us, and then go to sleep and do and go to work. Wow. My dad would work all throughout the day and come back at like one o'clock in the morning. Mm. So it would just be the kids that were in the house. So mm. like I was really raised, really raised by my older brother. The work ethic came from seeing my parents like work their ass off right. to make sure they support five kids in a, in a four bedroom house. Yeah. That's the way you, that's the way work ethic is handed down. Work mm -hmm. ethic is handed down normally by seeing the result of work ethic and then kind of mimicking what it is that you see mm -hmm. or somebody beating your ass. So you get up and go do what the fuck you got. to Yeah. Do. Like I, I am going to speaking of black Americans, I'm going to talk about something. I didn't want to talk about it, but I have to talk about it now. We got a black woman here. So uh, we always, whenever you have, this is my only thing. Whenever you have black women, utilize them. Utilize their, the utilize their perspective. And give me a check. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> utilize them. And give her a check. Utilize black women. So I'm going to ask about the specific story that everybody's been talking about. Patrick Patterson, you know who that is? Who? Can't say that I do. Okay, yeah. so Patrick Patterson is an NBA star. They use the word star very loosely here. I'm not trying to dish you, Mr. Patterson, but I would not say that you are a star. The Patrick Patterson. Oh, I, I know the story okay. already. Okay. So Patrick Patterson uh, is... Married to a white woman. That's his wife, Sarah, right there. Beautiful mm -hmm. lady. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Not, you know. She ain't no black lady. As, wait, wait, wait. But wait a know, second. Hold on. Wait. Go ahead. Finish what you're saying. So as as snow bunnies go, she got a little hop to her. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> like, 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 I'm looking at her right now. Wait, as, hold on. Wait, as snow you? bunnies go, she got a little hop to her. That's all. I'm not. I'm, there's no need to diss people. Um, but... She not nothing, you know, so I'm looking at it, but that picture was from a good angle. But listen, Patrick Patterson got himself in some hot water because he posted a picture with him and his wife. I would like to say one thing. It is Patrick Patterson's business. Who he dates, gets with, sees, marries. That's true. That is Patrick Patterson's business. You know who did it perfectly? Who did it perfectly? Um, depicted the whole situation perfectly. Donald Glover in Atlanta. Did Actually, you see that I, episode? I think his depiction of that was incredibly disrespectful to black women. Really? Yeah. Because I'll tell you why. I'm going to stop on this. I love Atlanta. I love Donald Glover. I love Lakeith. I love everyone. Mm -hmm. I thought that scene was the worst fucking shit. Really? And I thought that he skated so bad. I'm going to be real with you. The the scene that he's talking about is the scene at Drake's party where mm -hmm. where she where Zazie's character was going to Drake to, to the party to meet Drake. Blah, blah, blah. Lakeith is there, whatever. Yeah. She's with one of her friends and her friend then encounters a black woman on the couch and she's, the friend is, the, the her friend excuse me, Wazazi's friend is black and there's a white woman that's dating a black guy uh, and they're together at the party. Mm. And then 
the the black friend here of Zazie is super upset that this woman is dating this black, black guy. guy. Yeah. And then she talks to her, like says all of this stuff. And then the white girl comes back very calmly and with a lot of class and goes, maybe it's not all about that. Maybe two good per- people found each other and blah, 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 blah. Let me tell you why that scene bothers me. I guess that's true. I don't like a scene that portrays the black woman as an irrational, hurt, blistered and bruised person okay getting at a white girl who then comes back with a rational emotionally centered takedown of this system Mm -hmm. two things that does to me number one that minimizes hundreds of years of cultural pain that a black woman might actually go through by seeing a brother a successful brother with a white woman Mm -hmm. number one and two it makes it seem like all of our sisters are pressed when dudes go do that. Stop putting them in a box. You know what? What the fuck am I talking about? Talk to me. Like, like it, 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 it's like the, the, the. I'll talk about the specific. I had, I had like, I I'll, have some. I, Cause like my. I, I'll talk about the specific scene. The scene. Just cool. anytime you make a black woman look all crazy and hurt and, and and the white lady comes back. I'm like, yo, that was Donald getting his shit off for the way he kind of feels and that's fine. That was but extreme. But don't victimize the sister. That was extreme. That was extreme. That was extreme. However, what that saying, like what, is, what's, what it said is something I see all the time. You know what I'm saying? Like I was literally, ha- like I have a, when back home I dated this girl and she would be tight we be walking around. She be like, she see a white, a black dude with a white girl. Like, what the fuck is that about? That's disgusting. I'm then, but she be like, I have no problem with a black woman dating a white man. I'm like, you haven't. That's not an issue for you. Like that's a mm. double standard. It's really not. I feel like it's the way that men and women date. Talk to her. That's, that's different. It. That's this is this. Uh, this is great. So when you see when you see a white man with a black woman you know that that woman gave that white man a chance for whatever reason she got down with his personality maybe he had a little coin that she wanted to get into you know something like See, that that's fucked but up, with a black bro. man with a black man the idea that i get and a lot of people get and it is pretty much true most of the time is that that black man exclusively dates white women and he don't fuck with black women he doesn't think black women are attractive he thinks black women have attitudes he has a problem with black women specifically and he will never touch a black woman with a 50 foot pole it's not like he just fell in love with this woman who happened to be white Mm. it is like his whole life he's been erasing his own blackness and chasing white girls down that's the that's what is what i I don't think i don't think i don't think that could be the case on some on some situations. That definitely could be the case. Think uh, about the black men that you know that are dating white women. Well, in LA, they all do. They a lot of do. Yeah, like, like me, I'm not. I'm not for the pink, but like, like I'm for my sisters. But at the same time, those like some of these dudes were dating black women who were trying to like who wanted to be a part. Like black women, first off, black women rule my life. Like they literally help me out with everything. I'm trying to put down a. Uh, a one day film festival right now, and these black women has jumped jumped up and helped me that make t- this thing happen. All of that right there. So y'all stay out of his. Well, y'all stay out of his Twitter mentions over what he's getting ready to say now. So say it. <laughs> There's a big but. Right, 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 right. But uh, but sometimes, sometimes a black woman will she wants to support you and help you get your things going. But she also. But sometimes the dude is like so tunnel vision on his one idea. If he's not changing his idea or pivoting, pivoting when he needs to be, when she feels like he should be pivoting, 
she's already she's checking out she's upset she's frustrated whereas some white women will stick it out and not ask him to pivot the whole time but, but you know what but, but you know my I'm, you know what I'm gonna say about that is what I've found about that is that that's actually a function of timing like a lot of times first of all if 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 you meet a six foot eight guy that plays on Kentucky's basketball team when y'all in college, you don't get no credit for sticking it out. Okay? You don't get no credit with, with you don't get no credit for sticking it out with some nigga who is dunking all over ESPN Sports Center or blocking people or running touchdowns. You don't get no credit for sticking it out through all the trials and tribulations when you know that's a, that's a lottery ticket. So that's something that happens number 1. Number 2 is that a lot of times black men and I've seen in situations like that, they go through the strife with the sisters, and by the time they get out of away from the sisters, they're finished products. Like they're they they get out here and they're professional men and they're all of this, and they have they keep the idea of black women of any type of one. If you keep the idea of any woman in the same static place that it was when you were 19, 20, 21, 22, 23 years old, you are holding women overall to an unfair standard. Facts. You've changed and they've changed too. But you're, you're taking the hurt that you feel and you're uh, injecting it into a whole culture and a whole community of women. And then you're saying, okay, well, I don't feel that now that I'm dating white girls. Well, nigga, you're 29, 30, 31, 32 now. You know what I'm saying? Like, the sisters at that same age, they got their shit together. They not fucking, they don't give a fuck about that. And once again, the thing that bothered me about that scene was it was too simple a way to unload that serious, the hurt of our sisters is the most serious cultural problem that we have to solve. It's 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 the most serious cultural problem that we have to solve. And that that scene was too compact a way to unload that. And I thought that it was disrespectful in that. Trimble, you were gonna say? Uh well as far as the scene goes, I wish that Patrick Patterson would have just said that. Like, well maybe I just fell in love with somebody that was white. What did he say? But though? He, Called was like, he said bulldog. Yeah, he had to and that's the thing too. Whenever whenever black men are approached about their, you know, dating a white woman or being married to a white woman, they always have to say something to tear black women down instead of building up their partnership. And the other thing is that... But also, like, women, is, women do it too, so, like, women do, like, that nigga, niggas ain't shit. But we ain't talk about women right now. We talk about you niggas right now. <laughs> niggas do, like, niggas ain't shit, so I'm gonna fuck with a white man. But are niggas shit? A lot of niggas ain't shit. See, that's, that's true. But, but, but a lot of niggas ain't shit. Keep with you. But at the like, same that's time, though, it's like, like, like... So here's the thing. You can't a, damn all niggas and, like, there's another I, there's another dude out there for but, you. But listen, you know though, man? I think there's a specific there's a specificity here that sometimes gets, gets lost. And I, I just saw a song with cool. Patrick Patterson says he met this lady when he was up there playing for Toronto. So that's how he met her. Mm-hmm. I, listen, I, I hope that their relationship is great. And I hope that their relationship is, is, is everything that he would want it to be. If they're happy, I wish them nothing but happiness. Um... What I will say is when women or black women say niggas ain't shit, they're specifically, they're they're talking about traits that I feel like all men share most of the time, right? They're talking about playing around, being a fuck boy, things like that. When brothers come down on black women specifically, 
there is a specificity to their problems that are making it seem as if there are women outside of the community that are directly better than mm-hmm. our women. Right. That, that they are like, that, like you're not you're not just saying oh you know because we talk, we could talk about the way women are socialized and differences between men and women and this is this and this and that but when they say yo they're saying okay I've had it all and I am choosing a white woman or a woman outside the black community because in some way she is better or offers me a better life path more happiness whatever the cliche is that to me to some of the sisters that I've talked to is specifically hurtful because it's not just talking about what you do. It's talking about who you are, mm-hmm. like who I am is less. Even that's coming a, at I, it from the other terrible, side, thinking yeah. about when you when you choose to date somebody, you're choosing based on your preferences and what you want out of a partner. And the things mm-hmm. that black men uh, believe about white women and why they choose them to be partners, that may not be true. Think about the things that black men say about white women. Like, uh, you know, if you want to get some head, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you can yeah, find nah, a white girl stupid. to do that. It's stuff like that. So white women should be equally as offended, in my opinion, if if black men are fetishizing them in that way. So Patrick Patterson came back. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's just ridiculous. So Patrick Patterson came back. Everybody I, does everything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Patrick Patterson came back uh, and he apparently, he said, he said, uh, he responded by calling black women bulldogs. Okay. He said he didn't want to, well, a black woman got at him in the comments and he said something about a bulldog. He said, dog. well, what do you want me to do? Yeah. Keep dating a bulldog? Keep dating, get, so should happy? I settle for a bulldog and act like I'm happy for the rest of my life yeah. and preach, keep it in your race to the world? Just black as if, women's not going to get, make it easy. They're not going to make it easy for you. Like some white women will. Like they're not going to make it easy for you. They want you to be the best. So they're gonna work. They're gonna work with you and push you to be the best. That doesn't make them a bulldog. I mean, to be honest with you, I'll be honest with you. Even on that, I think personally that all of that shit really depends. That's a woman by woman issue. The one thing I will say about that's sisters true. is that they ask and demand for loyalty in a little bit different of a way because they haven't gotten it. I mean, that's the same thing that like. So a lot of times people ask me, they go, yo, Van, they they say, Van, do you trust America? Like, are you angry? I'm like, yo, if you're if I'm a black man and you're asking me if I trust America, it would be irresponsible to say yes. To to for me to say yes, that I trust America, that I trust mainstream American culture, that I trust all of these things, I can fully buy into that, that would be me disregarding hundreds of years of history. And it wouldn't make any sense. And what's going on now? Right. And so so to me. If a sister is asking for a little bit more or a little bit, I think she's entitled to that. And if you know yourself and who you are, you should be willing to give that. Now, once again, if you are a black man or anybody and you choose to date whomever you choose, man, that's your life. Be happy, be blessed, be everything. But if you come back and call sisters bulldogs, I have a problem. The only reason why I have, I'm even bringing this up, is not even not because of all of this. It's not even to bash Patrick Patterson because, like, I don't give, number one, I don't give a fuck about him. And then number two, it's, it's what he did. He's, they don't need, the sister's gonna take care of him. He's got to walk with that. He's got. He's got. He's got to wear that. But this is what I'm saying. One thing that we have to do, I think, is we got to let corny niggas colonel. Like, don't you can look at this picture of him. You can look at this. You can look at this picture. Y'all don't really want that. Not really. 
know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm saying? So my, my thing, my my thing is, he wouldn't be able to deal with a sister period. It, it, no, he doesn't, no, he doesn't have what I'm saying is, let a corny nigga colonel. I don't, I don't give, a, I didn't give two fucks what Patrick Patterson thought uh, two weeks ago, and I don't give two fucks what he thinks now. Now it is important to discuss this. Um, the broader system that leads us to devalue our women without a doubt, to devalue ourselves without a doubt. But we need to save our outrage personally, I think, for things that we that are really pressing upon us. And the opinion of one clearly lost, disrespectful NBA rotation player it's just not something we need to spend a couple of days. <laughs> he couldn't wait. I think he also capitalized bulldogs in that comment. Yeah, I'm looking like, at it right now. It's fucking disrespectful. And and to be honest with you, what I wonder is, fuck, nigga, nigga, your mama a motherfucking bulldog? Like, I'm gonna get pissed off. I don't, I don't. Yeah, don't you know don't, what I'm saying? I'm not go, trying to. You're gonna go down. You're gonna you go down a rabbit hole. Yeah, I, like, I'm that not, you don't I'm need not, to go down. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dealing with something that you're gonna forget about in like a couple yeah, days. You know what I'm saying? And who's to say that a white woman can't be a bulldog anyway? If he's just talking about a woman's attitude, because you know what? White women do the white women will cut you down the hardest. You know what they did? They got mad at uh, America, you know, for mm-hmm. whatever. And you know what they did? They elected Donald Trump. They voted Trump. 53%. <laughs> Listen, know, by, the way, by the way, by the way, this is not, this is, hold, hold on now. This is so, <laughs> it's some white women driving in their cars. And like, oh my God, man. Listen, I'm not trying to cut down any white. Listen, if, that, if you feel fucked up, <laughs> welcome to our world. I don't give a fuck. But at yeah. the same time, I, I want to make sure that this isn't, I don't believe in denigrating any one person. I don't but, uh, like believe in denigrating any one uh, group. Mm-hmm. What I do believe are uh, in denigrating and calling out and holding to a standard are systems. I believe we got to deal with systems. And there is a system of oppression, devaluing, uh, and and the lack of self-esteem that has infected our community for too long of a time mm-hmm. to where we can't be proud of what is us. If you can't be proud of the vessel that pushed you into the world, if you can't be proud of the one that like nurtured you, and if you can't look at that and be like, that's dope, I don't know what to tell you. Like that, that right there is the indicates the greatest, the greatest crisis of self. Mm-hmm. If you, you can't, yourself. if you can't, if you can't even be conscious of the women that look like your mom. So if you lo- if you say, I love black women, but listen, man, I was in Target one day and I was looking for some chips. And I met this girl named Becky and I just felt something. I love my sisters, but I just, I got unlucky and I didn't get to spend the rest of my life with one because I fell in love with Becky or Barbara, Babs. Maybe they call her Barb. Or Kelsey. Kelsey, Chelsea, <laughs> all of them. You know, that happens. But if you if you come back and say, yo, I got Masters Queen and this is this is a this is an indicator of how great my life is, now I got an issue with you. Yeah. Cause now you're telling me my mom and my sister and the rest of the beautiful, not just my mom and my sister. That that goes without saying. My grandmother, that goes without saying. But the rest of the The women the in my life smart. Are- ridiculous, talented women that I share everything with, household, all of that, that those women ain't shit. Can't do it. Mm-mm. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. I don't think black women think that 
black men shouldn't date white women is more of the system that the reason why they date white women is because they hate black women. Now, let me ask you this, though. Let me ask you this, though. To ask you a question, are you, Jean, do you really feel played when you see a sister with a white boy? Do I really feel played? Do you feel played at all? No, I don't feel played. Do you understand why sisters might feel played and brothers might not? Mm. I understand to a certain degree why sisters would feel played, but me personally, I don't. Live and let live. I live and let live. I'm saying if you love whoever you love, man, I really don't care. Yeah. Like, Cause it's weird. My, you can't tell people love. Not, it's not, it's none of my business. You can't tell people love whoever you love vis-a-vis sexual orientation and then tell them love whoever we say you love. Yeah. If it comes down when it comes to race. Yeah. If it's love, whoever you love, it's love whoever it's, you it's love. It's love whoever you love. That's what I stand for. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, it's love whoever you love. Like, I really don't care. I tell you what. Like I said, it ain't for me. It's for them. It's whatever. But don't 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 come at the sisters, man. Because, I listen, if you're a black man somewhere and somebody comes at the sisters and you don't defend them, stand up for them, and stand sometimes behind them as they scream, you're weak. That's true. That's true. Uh, listen. The, the answer to the question is, you guys, date whoever you want to date. When you yeah. date them, understand that people might have opinions about it. Mm-hmm. When you're coming back, don't tear down our sisters. Our sisters. That's it. I don't will tear- say, I dated one white girl. My first girlfriend was white, and what was her, uh, name? her name was Katie. <laughs> 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 It absolutely was. Y or I-E? I-E. I-E. Yeah, she was a little hot little thing. She looked like um, Justin Bieber a little bit. She looked that like was, Justin Bieber. That was Bieber. dope back then. That like was like she had like the haircut and the whole what, what made you? Yeah, what made you look. choose her? What made you well, decide to her? That was my point because she was my first girlfriend. I was a fr- er, sophomore in college. And mm-hmm. at that time, it wasn't easy to be gay. It wasn't easy to be out and gay. It was very scary. Mm-hmm. And most of the people that I knew who were out and gay or that I encountered out in the they world were white. Were white. Right. And it was it was easier at that time right. to uh, pursue somebody that was mm-hmm. white because they were already out and it was kind of like me ushering myself out into the world. How did you react the first time she said the N-word around you? She never said the N-word. But she held me the fuck down when I was pledging, though. She she held you down. She's a Delta? She's not a Delta. But when I was pledging, we were dating. So she she, said uh, the N-word while you were pledging? She did not say the N-word She said the N-word. How many times did she... She never said it. Where she was from? She was from outside of Akron. She was, so she was from Ohio. Yeah, from Ohio. Outside of Akron. Yeah. Which means she was outside from a small town yeah. in Ohio. Yeah, her, her so grandmother you, was racist. She so so her that. grandmother was racist, but Absolutely. did you so what? So what happened when you took her? You put she, her on a in, you put her on an N-word diet, you let her say it what, three times a month? No, absolutely not. I didn't let what, her say what's it. What's to for you, for people that might be listening, what's a appropriate N-word diet when you're in a interracial relationship? How many times would you let your significant other say that? I don't N-word? I don't I don't think that there's a, a but you but you were on one diet. No. Okay, so just right, do I put myself on ma- a diet? Ma- mark, mark it down that Shrivel says that you should if you're in an interracial relationship, the appropriate N-word diet for your white spouse is three times a month, six times a quarter. I don't even agree with that. Six times a quarter. Uh, six maybe times a- maybe me calling them an N-word, maybe three times a month, six times a quarter, but the other way around, it doesn't fly. <laughs> nah. I'm fucking with you, sister. <laughs> but, how, but what was that experience like for you, though? 
I mean, it was great. Uh, we had a very Tastes loving like relationship. Tastes like Black Forest Ham? No, I mean... Mayonnaise? It, it was great. Everything well, about it was amazing. It was good, but yeah. at, at the end of the day, she uh, she got uncomfortable with... Um, mm. When I, uh, cause I'm in, I'm a Delta, I'm in a black sorority and that whole like pledging process, it was difficult for her to understand being somebody outside of the culture. She really didn't have any understanding of it. And so did one of my best friends who's white had the same issue and we didn't did, talk did for Kind of like how, how, how yeah. stringent it was and how tough it yeah, was. Yeah. She didn't get it. She didn't, you know, agree with it. It she was busting it was your ass. She was giving them all your money, all of that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so that's when it became hard. And then I cheated on her with the Delta. So. Oh, <laughs> damn. Oh, you fucked you up. You a real, you know what? You know, you, I like, don't cheat no more though. You don't cheat no more. You stop cheating. <laughs> I stopped cheating and I'm single, real hot. So, 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 so what would you say? Am I one out of 10? What would you rate me? For like your looks wise? Yeah. Nine what? and a half. Wait, what would you say? I mean, I, I'm not going to rate you. She said nine and a half. I'm not, 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 you're a very, you're a very beautiful sister. I'm not, I'm not going to rate you, but I'm just, I will say that you're very beautiful. This is for the listeners. But I'm saying, I'm the, trying to get a date. So you would, wait, 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 that's a yes. No. Uh, 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 you're not. You're not open to no, white women I don't, anymore. I Why don't like saying no, but my answer is no. The, I just am not necessarily attracted. I mean, she would have to be hot. Like, like give me a give me a white woman level of hot that you would be attracted to. Give me a white woman level. Like Angelina Jolie. God, that's so whack. She needs though. some lips. That, like you know? that's like Angelina Jolie. Uh, uh, listen, Angelina I, Jolie doesn't look bad. Van Lathan always has to start it with the comment, uh, like with with the positive. The positive is this. Angelina Jolie is beautiful. She's a beautiful woman, beautiful eyes, beautiful lips, beautiful breasts. She ain't got no hips. She's frail. I, like, I, it, it, it's like but how... she's gorgeous, though. She's gorgeous. Go Man, do you understand that, like, hips are essential? Of course. Lips like, you gotta, are essential. Lips li are essential. I don't understand guys, flat butts, though. Like, like, just no, 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 no. The hips That's are it. actually more important. Like, I'm from the South. I would look at Angelina Jolie and I would be like, by the way, this doesn't matter because the whole world thinks she's beautiful. This is just one man's opinion. But she ain't got no hips, man. She is kind of like straight up and down. Was Katie like that? Did Katie have hips? Uh, Katie was thick. She was thick. Oh, shit. Yeah, there you go. Thick, well, like, you know? Katie, Katie was thick. We talking like, how, well, how thick, though? She was like, she was white girl thick for sure. But she, so not, so we're saying like, she, no she was a voluptuous. She had thighs, you know what I'm saying? She, okay. yeah, she was. Tattoos? A, no, she didn't have any zero tattoos. Zero tattoos. Zero tattoos. Yeah. Okay. We you, were pretty young. We were like nineteen. You miss her? No. You not thinking about all. her right now? Not at all. You no. thinking about Katie? Oh. Not at all. No. Mm -hmm. I've had several relationships since Katie. Since, since Katie. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm looking for a new one. So if you man, want to for a date, yeah. <laughs> You get on Tinder. I can't do Tinder. You better get on Christian Mingle and find yourself some. Do they have? Do they have? Do they have? Bumble. Bumble. Bumble is for ladies, right? No, Bumble's for everybody. Bumble's for everybody. Bumble. You can. I don't know nothing about this. Me neither. We flowing, but we gotta stop and pay some bills, man. Or else we gonna all be broke. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Bevel. You know Bevel as the first and only end-to-end -end shaving system designed for a consistently smooth, irritation-free shave. Dermatologists recommend it. Clinically tested to help reduce and prevent razor bumps, discoloration, and irritation. 100% of subjects noticed that their skin felt softer and smoother after using Bevel. The Bevel Trimmer is a GQ Award winner. 
and a go-to for the best barbers in the game. And now you can add bevel skin into your routine. The dermatologist tested solution that helps cleanse and hydrate skin and even out skin tone. Very important because if you've had some scars before, some of the discoloration is actually worse than having a blemish and you want to get those gone so you look camera ready at all times. Made with only the best ingredients, glycolic acid, shea butter, witch hazel extract, and more, this stuff is going to get into your skin and really make it feel better. I uh, have been using Bevel Skin for a little while now. I've noticed not only are the breakouts fewer, uh, but because it's made for your brother's skin, it gives you that nice glow that you're needing. And sometimes I get a little dry out here in LA. It moisturizes real, real well too. And that's the thing. If you're using the wrong skincare stuff and it's got too much of the bad stuff in there, it can actually dry your skin out and make you look a little bit older. You won't go through that uh, with with the bevel stuff. It's got the shea butter in there and stuff like that. It's amazing stuff, man. Um, bevel is a good look, so level up your grooming routine with the bevel shave system. And for a limited time, take 15% off your next shipment with bevel. Head to getbevel.com backslash red pill. Get your bevel shave system or the bevel skin today at target.com and in store. They got my, this is black owned and it's in Target, man. I feel so proud. Uh, it's on Amazon and of course at getbevel.com backslash red pill. The promo will be automatically applied at checkout. You don't have to worry about that. This offer does exclude the bevel trimmer. That's too much quality. That you got to pay for. That's G-E-T-B-E-V-E-L.com slash red pill. Getbevel.com slash red pill. So, so there's one other thing I want to talk about real quick before we get back on Trumbull trying to get a date. A date. One more thing I want to talk about. I want to talk about this. Uh, there's a very important case right now before the Supreme Court. Do you guys know this? Oh, uh, Comcast? Byron Allen and Comcast. I'm actually not sure if it's actually before the Supreme Court right now or if it should have been already. I think, I think it, like, I, I think it has been taken to the Supreme Court and I think that's on the, the, the part of Comcast. I, I need you guys to, to listen to me right now and we have to discuss the nuts and bolts of this particular case. It's not so, it's not so much, it's essentially about one entity or one man. Mm -mm. It's about the way the case threatens uh, the interpretation of one of the most important pieces of civil rights legislation uh, that exists. Okay, so Byron Allen is suing Comcast. A long time ago, uh, Comcast, and this, these are the these are the Cliff Notes versions of this. Comcast entered into an agreement, or there was an agreement that Comcast, Comcast was part of, part of uh, where they would meet a certain standard of what they would called diversity or minority inclusion that's comcast obviously is a is a gigantic conglomerate uh, uh and the cable stations that they would have to include they wanted to meet a certain number in order to um demonstrate that they were inclusive you know you got, you got a bunch of channels that you're giving out to people you're going to need some of the channels to be black and to serve black uh, audience uh, audiences um People entered into that. They agreed to it. Uh, Byron Allen, after having some uh, business disagreements and I guess not getting some of his stations uh, 
on Comcast or not being able to buy some stations, either one, decided that what Comcast was doing actually wasn't inclusive at all and sued Comcast in a, uh, for $20 billion. Now, this suit was in lower courts, um, and he kept bringing the suit. It got dismissed a couple of times, I think, uh, and he kept bringing suit. And now Comcast is uh, is is taking the uh, the the suit to the Supreme Court. Okay, um, it, now this is the way. This is the reason why it's it's crazy. Okay, so. We talked about the $20 billion uh, suit. They mm-hmm. refused to air some channels from Byron Allen's Entertainment Studios Network. There were other organizations that actually were named as defendants in that case, uh, the NAACP, um, but they were dismissed because they had no role in Comcast's decision not to, 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 uh, to, to air those channels. Mm-hmm. Now, Byron Allen says that Comcast's decision not to have those channels on, not to allow those channels to be a part of it, is because of racism. Mm-hmm. All right. So, the decision that the Supreme Court is going to make is hinging on the interpretation of the Civil Rights Act of 1866, mm-hmm. which is a ban, I'm reading right now, a wide-ranging ban on racial discrimination. Section 1981 it's a critical provision. It says all persons within the jurisdiction of the United States shall have the same right to make and enforce contracts as it is enjoyed by white citizens. The purpose of this is to make sure uh, to, to that the, the contracting process uh, was free of burdens from the discrimination so that black people were able to work, have businesses, create contracts uh, without race being a factor, a factor in, in the whole situation. In the whole situation. Now, um, for as long as it's been around, it's been cited and used as a tool to combat discrimination. Mm -hmm. Comcast's argument is this. Comcast says uh, that the legal interpretation of that statute doesn't go far enough. They're saying that the way the statute is interpreted now is that if race is a factor— the company or whoever is 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 seemingly at fault or being accused is wrong if mm-hmm. race is a factor. Mm-hmm. Meaning, if there's a bunch of things going on and one of the reasons why I don't want to give Jean a job is because he's black, if I can prove that one of the reasons is because he's black, then you, I, I'm at fault yeah. and you can sue me. What Comcast is saying is that Race has to be the only factor. Mm. So you have to prove that the only reason you're not doing this is because you're black is because you're black. Is and like it, 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 it so Byron Allen must not prove that the only that his race was a significant motivating factor in Comcast's decision not to contract with him, but it was that the only factor, the only factor that is virtually unprovable. If Comcast wins this Supreme Court decision, that legal precedent will change the interpretation of that law for the foreseeable future, possibly in perpetuity, meaning forever. Yeah, That significantly weakens any minority's ability 
any minority's ability to bring suit against someone who might be discriminating against them along racial lines. Mm -hmm. So what we essentially have is uh, one businessman's fight against a multi-billion dollar company, which could significantly affect and change uh, the way a bedrock piece of civil rights legislation, Civil Rights Act of 1866 is viewed. So when you hear about people talking about, uh, and there are a lot of people, to be honest with you, that because of this reason, want Byron Allen to drop the suit. Mm -hmm. Because if he were to lose, it could change so much for so many people. It could mess it up for everybody. A lot that, of people. That, uh, that don't have anything to do and won't financially gain from this. Byron Allen, uh, to his point, he thinks that Comcast is wrong and being unfair and he wants to take his fight all the way as is his American right. Now that all the facts are on the table, we know what's at stake. Would you want to see Byron Allen back off from this? Um, I don't know. At first glance, it kind of feels like he's throwing a fit in a way. Mm. Like he didn't get any of his six channels. If they were interesting to Comcast and he pitched them six networks, it seems like if they were interesting enough, they would have picked up one of them. Unless he's saying that they had a quota to meet for black uh, and then networks, I mean that quota. And they met it and they don't want his now nah, because I think it's an what, extra one. What he's saying is that there is a quota, but the quota doesn't go far enough. Mm. And yeah. And it, there, would you, would you, there, would there was an you agreement, want, but he's what he's saying is that the agreement doesn't go far enough. And he's basing that specifically on numbers. So mm. what did they tell him was the reason they didn't want to? I don't know. Network? That's probably all now, information that's inside the suit. Now, do you think he should continue with it or no? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's really a difficult question. I mean, they, he did, he, he, there was an interview where he did say, uh, he did list some reasons that maybe he said, he said one reason was maybe that they were saying that his channels were low quality. Mm -hmm. However, his channels are Emmy nominated. Uh, another reason he, they said it was financial. He said that doesn't hold water. Um, so he's not in his opinion, he doesn't think that there's any real reason why uh, Comcast is not working with them. It's hard. It's a, it's 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 a it's a hard thing. You never, especially in a situation like this, want to see somebody drop something that they think is right for fear of losing. Yeah, I don't feel the way that that's that that's the way you go forth with this. The problem with it is, is that Comcast has significant support uh, with the Trump administration. <laughs> And if we know how there was a void, a, a vote that were to happen along political lines, there would be no way that Byron could win because five out of the nine justices are conservatives. Yeah. Um, some of them obviously directly appointed by the president. So if, and the reason why Comcast probably kicked it up there and it's, my understanding that Comcast were the ones that wanted to take it to the Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. And if, if the, the reason why they wanted to take it up there is because they knew they would give a, get a favorable decision. So essentially in order to do that, it, it, what they're really trying to do is punk Byron out and to drop continuing it. it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's weird. It's like, 
know what I mean? It's, 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 it's weird. By taking it to the Supreme Court, where they know that they have, you know, a, a, a great chance of doing it, the public pressure, to be honest with you, should be on Comcast right now. Mm-hmm. It should be on Comcast uh, because of the way that they're fucking with this law, the way that they're looking at it, with the potential that they have to uh, change everything. If this decision were to go their way, if they win, we all lose. Yeah. So the 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 it's pu- making it us versus them, right? Yeah. And you, you you saw recently Puff come out. Shout out to Puff and everybody over at Revolt. You saw yeah, Puff yeah, come I out. saw that. Yeah, yeah and, and basically distance himself. Not so much distance himself from Comcast uh, as a business relationship, but distance himself from the idea that because Revolt is carried on Comcast, that that in some way is an indication that there are no uh, racial practices there that are troubling. Mm-hmm. So the only reason why I know that I, I rarely do that on the red pill, but it's going to be Thanksgiving time when a lot of people are listening to this and people are going to be chilling out and people are going to be doing whatever. We had a lot of fun today. Uh, about, you know, talking about different things that are uh, cultural flashpoints. But this particular issue is one that everybody needs to be following. Mm -hmm. Everybody needs to be following. If you're, if this goes bad. I first heard about it when I was listening to Breakfast Breakfast Club. The Breakfast Mm -hmm. Club. And Charlemagne, to be honest with you, shout out to the homie. uh, Charlemagne pressed him on it and Mm -hmm. made sure that, that, because Byron Allen has to know the, the, the ramifications of this. And I'm sure that he does. And he shouldn't be bullied and he shouldn't be kicked out by political pressure Mm-mm. from if he believes that this is truly a miscarriage of justice or fairness or or whatever. But it's an incredibly important case. Yeah. Yeah. I'm wondering because it looks like to me, Byron Allen thinks that um, Comcast struck a deal with some black organizations like the NAACP and then donated to those organizations. Well, there was a whole thing. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. they essentially bought them off after they, you know, came up well, with this. Well, the NAACP brought that to, right. brought that, with that the, 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 was a, it was the NAACP kind of, there were a bunch of organizations that kind of set forth some parameters and guidelines. Right. And, uh, they're apparently okay with whatever was going on at Comcast. I'm not speaking directly about the NAACP. I don't know what they're okay and not okay with. Right. But there was some sort of agreement breached. And Byron Allen, after submitting his channels, I guess doesn't think it goes far enough like we were saying. Right. Yeah. So that's what I'm wondering. Would the case, like, if the ruling goes in his favor, will it uh, affect how far those types of deals go or like what they consider when they're considering diversity instead of just meeting a quota Mm. or going with the networks that, you know, organizations in their pocket have suggested to them. Will they have some type of criteria for the, for the networks that that they're considering so that people like Byron Allen who are pitching their networks Mm -hmm. to companies like this will know exactly why they're not getting picked up. Yeah. I mean, I guess, listen, I'd be interested to know whether or not the networks that are currently being covered, uh, carried by Comcast, whether or not the black networks, whether or not they believe that they're being properly supported by the network anyway. And if we're I have about reason Revolt, to believe that they, I have strong reason to believe that a lot of even the higher profile ones don't think they're getting the proper support from yeah. Comcast. Yeah, and yeah. it doesn't seem like it. Like uh, Revolt TV, their schedule is crazy. It does. It's like not a regular cable channel. And I know that like when you're getting off the ground, there's a lot that goes into mm-hmm. it. You're not going to be able to do a lot of programming. You're going to have to, you know what I'm saying? Well, you think about crazy. Revolt in and of itself, great people over at Revolt, if you put Revolt in the higher premium cable ca- cable package, the, the, the audience that Revolt is trying to target a lot of times won't have the money to afford Revolt. that. Right. So if you really wanted Re- Revolt to be able to target the group 
that, that they want. It, it, they, they are serving, you'd have them in the basic package. Exactly. And so, I mean, and to be honest with you, growing the channel is in the best interest of... Co- Listen, a lot of times... Uh, underestimating the cultural power that we have, it's financially distressing to these organizations. Growing revolt should be a priority of Comcasts. Growing like like growing new voices within the culture to have bigger play, it should be a priority. And expanding it outside of just black like other diasporas in the sure. community in the African American African community. You know what I'm saying? Expanding it outside of that. Right. So I mean, you know, in in, in terms of something like that to see more channels with more voices and, and 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 to see those things grow, you know, that's at this point, really honest with y'all, that's just good business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. That's just that that's that has nothing to do. That's just good business, man. Queen is slim about to come out in two days. It's mm-hmm. gonna do numbers. Is it two days? Is not tomorrow? Is it tomorrow? I thought it was. Do you Thursday. have tickets for tomorrow? Because I'm trying. Isn't to it coming out the twenty seventh, right? I thought it was. I thought it was Thursday. I think it's Thursday. It, no, nah, I mean, I guess. I guess it's the usually Muslim. movies come out on Friday. Well, well it's it's Thanksgiving now. Oh, that's get, right. Yeah. yeah. Speaking, of, let's spend the last time on Thanksgiving. So you're Haitian. So do you do you care about Thanksgiving? Yeah, I do. That's the time like, where we all got together. My mom got the nice silverware out. We we sat around the table and ate. Yeah, but why why would y'all celebrate Thanksgiving when y'all from Haiti though? It's the same way that everybody else would celebrate Thanksgiving. You bring a there'd be a shit ton of rice plates. There'd rice be plate. ham, there'd be turkey. Um, we have bunan pizzi, which is like plantains. Okay. What the like hell plantains. is that? Um, we'd have uh legume, mm-hmm. which is like greens, yeah. but it's like it's like a stew of like vegetables and carrots and beef and stuff like that. Um, we'd have bouillon, which is like a soup with like a potato and like Different types of potatoes and like carrots and beef as well. Right up. Um, so it was, a, it was Thanksgiving's a big deal. Yes, Thanksgiving's a big deal. Jeremy, what about Thanksgiving for you? You care? Yeah, I care. I'm uh I'm going home to Cincinnati. Are you? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna spend some time with a friend in Indianapolis. Nice. Uh, for oh one shit. Thanksgiving. Oh, so it, a little bit of. No, it's oh. a, it's just a friend friend. Oh, I'm looking out for you now. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, because I'm trying to, because you were talking about like, I'm looking out for you now. Hey, Listen, <laughs> I'm, I, I'm saying, I need you, a you date. You know what I'm saying? I won't be here for the next week. So, you know, whenever this episode comes out, nah, we're going to put, I'm going to put a LA picture, area. I'm going to put a picture of you up there. They can see you. I'm going to direct people. What, no, tell me your Instagram right now. My Instagram is Tribs the Cool. T R I B Z. Tribs the Cool. Tribs the Cool. Yeah. Tribs. Yeah, Tribs. Tribs. Yep. It's a short, you know, my name is Tribble, Tribs for sure. But there's not something else? Tribbing. Tribbing. Yeah, that is my specialty. Hey, <laughs> if y'all don't know what tribbing is, see, Tribs are cool. She's, she's trying to, it's a double entendre right there. Tribbing is a thing. Y'all go out what, there, y'all. What's tribbing? I don't you know. You don't know what tribbing, tribbing is? Nah, yeah. what is it? <laughs> Trimble, tell Put them me what tribbing on. is. Some people call it scissoring. Hey! It's that, it's that gay shit that I like. <laughs> tribs. But when you when you were you thinking about that name? Were you thinking about tripping? No, I didn't even know that really? it existed. It's my actual name. Right. Uh, so. so so you weren't thinking about that when you were trying to you weren't trying to put it out. But then you just said tripping is your specialty. Yeah, I learned what tripping meant like last year because somebody was like, "Oh, tribble." <laughs> see, see, tribble, and then tripping. That's yeah. What, now, why like, do I know that? Once again, my sister's out there in the community. Hold on for a second. Let's call Ebony real quick. I call my sister right now. What she look like? Huh? What she look like? Light skin, thickness. Oh, I hooked me up though. She got man. She got a whole family, man. Damn. She got a whole family. You know, lesbians are shady though. She'll probably leave her family. 
dough, my Damn. God. Like, uh, what? Like, shout, wow. out to, shout out to Ebony's wife. Yeah, they got a whole family. It, it, was, it was three love, of them. I love, I love. It was I love. three of them. They had like a three thing. They had a yeah. thruple. A, tr- a thruple. The, thruple. It's a, a three thing. Yeah, that's popular in the community. It's pro- like being polyamorous is popular? Yeah, polyamorous, non-monogamous. Three, I do three ladies together? Three ladies together are just like having Why do you practice non-monogamy? Because... Uh, toxic monogamy is something that I'm trying to unlearn. Jesus. You know what I'm saying? So toxic calling it non-monogamy, right? Mm-hmm. So, so tell us about toxic monogamy. Toxic monopoly. monogamy is so Tell us about like... toxic monopoly. <laughs> so I have this, this girl I used to date five years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went through it. We broke up and then we went through a very tough period where like I re- really wanted to be in her life. And so we established this friendship throughout just like being there for each other for years and years. But our partners after each other didn't want us to be friends. You know what I'm saying? And so having jealous partners who don't want you to be friends with somebody just because you have a history with them, people who won't let you choose them because they want to force you to choose them or like give you parameters. That's toxic monogamy. That's toxic monogamy. So I practice non-monogamy to unlearn that, not necessarily to just be... So when you're non-monogamous, when you're non-monogamous, how many people are you allowed? Are you... So it's like... Is there like a rule? Like how many people... Is there like a rule like how many people you can be partners with yeah. and hang out with. you know what I'm saying like yeah the tricky thing about non-monogamy and polyamory is that it's all about rules it's all about the rules and the expectations that you set for yourself and that you set with your partner so now do you want to know all the details of that person's time with the other person me personally yeah. I don't want to know all the details I do want to know some details because details like what like who the person is you know mm-hmm. uh, that's what toxic. That's toxic. That's not. Why that's you gotta, not, why you gotta that, know? That's, that's, why? why that's then it, you're, now you're trying to control now her. You're trying to control no, no. About who that's, she that's, sees. That's, no, because that's it is. It's also about. I see safety. why you're single. Okay. It's, it's like I, I, you, you seem like you got a lot of control issues. No, I don't have control <laughs> issues. I yeah. really don't. I'm free as a butterfly. You know, I ain't trying to control you. I'm just trying to. But you, hold you, you. seem. But, but, but I see even even something like that. That right there is what controlling niggas would say. <laughs> right, well, I, girl, I ain't controlling you. I'm just trying to hold you, right? I'm just As, trying to be there for you. Just leave your you phone. Know? Leave your phone when you go out. Like, that, that's the type no, of it's thing. No, it's not like that. No, I'm not trying to control my partner, but I think it is important to show your partner that you're choosing them. You know what, what I'm saying? And there's different ways that you can do that. And when it comes to, like, knowing who somebody is that your partner is, like, talking to or dating on the side or whatever, it sometimes it's because... Depending on the relationship, we all might want to have a relationship. We all might get along. We could be friends. If it's somebody that I know, I want to know if my partner is sleeping with a person that I know, and I don't want to be dumbfounded by that. And I also don't want this other person to think that they have something on me because I don't know where they're That's coming you. Why from. Why are you controlling? That sounds like a controlling thing. No, you don't know where another person is coming from yeah. with their yeah. mindset. So the only thing you can control is your own reaction, mm-hmm. and the relationship you have with your partner is something that you have to agree on. You know. So mm-hmm. even I if I told if I told my partner like I. I want to know who you're fucking and my partner said I don't feel comfortable sharing with you who I'm fucking then we would have to agree how our relationship is going to look because I'm not going to force you to do something mm-hmm. you don't want to do now, and you what, can't it, force it, me to understand something I can't very true mm-hmm. what is the specific reason that you like to know uh, mostly because lesbians are shady you know what I'm saying? Lesbians. You're making a lot of grand and generalizations about my, my friends in the lesbian community. I sure am. But how could it be? How, how could anything be? How could anything be shady if 
there's an understanding beforehand. There's an understanding between me and my primary partner about what kind of relationship we have. But another person coming into the relationship, primary partner. It's not like we're talking about they've got a whole care. different understanding. So, you know? what, so what does that mean, though? What understanding could, could, could interrupt that between you and your primary partner? Uh, if this person thinks that the reason why they're allowed to mess around with my primary partner is because we have problems mm. or if they feel like they're I, a side piece and they're getting their little thrills off of being a secret, like that's not cool. You know, if they're trying to stir up any type of commotion within the relationship, like that's not cool. And people do do that just for fun. But that's for, that's for your partner to set the other person straight. Yeah, it is. It is. Absolutely. Be like, I'm is. doing this because I want to do this, not because you're a secret. So Absolutely. I have a question. So if your partner tells you Mm-hmm. That they're seeing someone that has traits that you don't like, are you allowed to disapprove? What kind of traits? I, whatever traits you were just I, describing. No. So, so, so if it, so, I guess the 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 question is, what's the purpose of knowing? I can if give there's you a nothing that you can ve- can you can, can you veto it? Yeah, it depends on you can talk to your partner about it. So, one, the first thing you got to know is that being polyamorous and non-monogamy does not make you immune to human emotion. Mm-hmm. So jealousy is a thing that is a human condition and it's going to come up. And so I can be communicating with my partner from a place of jealousy and my partner can choose to hear that. But what my partner gets to choose what they do with that. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. I have to choose how I'm going to communicate from a place of jealousy. I might have to say what I need to say and then come back later and be like, you know what? I was being I was communicating emotionally. Here's how I really feel about it. Here's how we can communicate about it. Let's set these parameters for our relationship so that it doesn't become a thing where I'm mad at you for living for your nothing. life. Yeah. Right. Mm. So a specific example, though, is um, I was dating someone and white or black. Uh, she's actually mixed. Her mom was French. Her dad is black. She's oh, very yeah. black, though. Oh, she's an she activist. You know what I'm saying? She's black, blackity black. You feel me? <laughs> Shout okay. out to her. You know? Um, but so there was this this person that I never met in person before that was following me on social media. She would, like, comment on all my stuff, like, hit me in the DMs. Just, you know, just, like, being a fangirl or whatever. Mm-hmm. So months later, I found out that my partner, like, knew her from some activism spaces. And this girl had been, like chatting with my partner in the DMs and was like, you know, I got feelings for you. You know what I'm saying? Like, we need to make something happen about this. And so, meanwhile, this person is like, I don't know them and they've sought me out to kind of like see what's going on with me, apparently. It seemed it seemed weird. It seemed fishy to me. It seemed very weird. Start and over. So, your partner is, you're dating this girl mm-hmm. and somebody's trying to get at your partner. Yeah, somebody's okay. trying to get at my partner. And, they, so, and they, so, who sought you out? The the person that was trying to get at my partner. Sought you out. Sought me out and had been following me on social media and like Oh, and then saw that you had the partner. And oh, oh, so you feel like no, she was they scheming. they knew already, yeah. So she oh. was scheming and trying yeah. to watch your posts and yeah. see if there's anything yeah. that messes up within you between you and right. your partner so right. therefore she could jump in right. and save the day. Right, or just on some okay. weird shit because lesbians do the thing where they try sure. to be your friend and then they try to take your girl it's just happened to me y'all I'm not lying wait so you feel like this is exclusive to lesbians because I feel like this happens to everybody (laughs) I really do (laughs) I feel like dudes have a thing like you have like the bro code shit if the nigga don't know you am I sensitive no no, listen man these guys hell no story do you know who Ryan O'Neal is Uh, no do you know who Farrah Fawcett is yeah okay rest in peace Farrah Fawcett do you guys know who uh, the $6 million man is? Yeah. Okay. So way back in the day, a guy named Lee Majors 
was one of the biggest stars on TV. Mm-hmm. The six million dollar man, bionic as shit. Mm-hmm. Okay, six million dollar man. All right, he was dating Farrah Fawcett. Rest in peace, Farrah Fawcett. He was dating her. He was friends, good friends, best friends with Ryan O'Neal, big time movie star. Huge movie star. At the time that Ryan O'Neal was a movie star in the 70s, he was one of the best looking guys in the world. He was a movie star. He told, he was leaving town. He told Ryan O'Neal, listen, I'm going to be gone for a little while. Uh, you look at Ryan O'Neal Young. I just saw the look on your face. Yeah. Yeah, like, 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 he was one of the most, he was really like, like a top movie star heartthrob of his day he tells Ryan O'Neill he goes listen I'm going out of town like you know Farrah doesn't like to be alone you know yeah she look after Farrah for me while I'm gone now at this Wait, point wasn't this the same situation in, um what's that what's that movie what's that movie called Quentin Tarantino's movie which one uh, the most recent one, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, so he says. So he says, look after her. Like I'm gonna be gone. This nigga Ryan O'Neal stole the six million dollar man's girl. That's crazy. And they stayed together basically until she passed away. That was his man. So did Ryan and the $6 million man stay friends? Fuck no. He stole exactly. Farrah Fawcett from him. Farrah Fawcett was one of Charlie's Angels, one of the baddest chicks on TV at that time. She didn't really have no hips, but she was one of the baddest chicks on TV at that time. No, that happens across the board. Like when, when it matters but he, wasn't, he wasn't plotting on her though. Like what you, he, 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 he invited her know. over. He invited him over. Like, like, like to be like you, you he might have been. He might have been plotting the whole like, time. I, I feel like she was already gone. They was probably already fucking. I, I'm gonna be honest with you. Like you can't you can't take somebody's girl if they're That's uh, or, or 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 somebody's significant other if they're willing to leave. They weren't there. You That's gotta real. say God bless when stuff like that happens. But what I'm saying the shadiness that you. Whenever there's penis and vaginas involved, there's going to be shady. Mm-hmm. Right. Whenever there's, you know, shadiness is, is, is love. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And that's toxic monogamy again. So <laughs> we, we have to talk about everything. That's why it's like, I do want to know who you're sleeping with because we have to be able to communicate with that. Like the secrecy is what makes shit Can you shady. veto it? Can you be like, I don't like that? No. I can say that I don't like it because, you know, communication is key, but mm-hmm. my partner doesn't have to choose to like make a decision based on my feelings See, now y'all you know? just fighting for nothing no we don't have to fight because then what happens after that yeah. so like now you you vetoed a situation you're like you know what I don't, I don't like this yeah. and she's like okay tough now what then we have to decide like what our relationships look looks not like not a whole forward. relationship is gone up in flames. It's gonna, it's gonna go left because of. T- yeah, it will sometimes. It will go left if your partner. Wow. You know what I'm saying? If your partner doesn't want to acknowledge your feelings and doesn't. But in this case, in this specific case, the story that I just told, my partner in was like, yeah, we ended up having another conversation and some weird shit came out and like she kind of freaked me out and so it was on the same. So it was like I told you that shit was weird. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? But even if I was like, I don't like that. That shit is weird. My feelings are kind of, I feel weird about it. I feel icky about it. I'm going to just unfollow the girl because I don't know you, but now I know what your intentions are. I don't Mm got to be mad at my partner for that, you know? Mm -hmm. But my partner has the obligation or the responsibility to move in that relationship with our relationship in mind still, you know? Mm -hmm. 
So whatever agreements that we have for our relationship have to still be upheld, no matter what you got going on. I get it. Huh? You, John, you feel like you have an understanding of toxic monogamy? And I all do. I, do. I feel like I have an understanding of toxic monogamy. I feel like I do, too. I want to talk to the people real quick. It's Thanksgiving week, okay? We talked a little bit about Thanksgiving. Everybody's excited about Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. So I just want to talk to you guys I'm having Thanksgiving out here with some amazing people that I grew that when I first moved out here about nine years ago, took me in as like a son. Dope. So it's going to be dope. Dope. Really so I want to talk about May 26th, 1637. When Let's I th- talk about it. When I think about Thanksgiving, I think about mm-hmm. that date. I'll tell you why. That is the date of the Mystic Massacre, the Pequot Massacre, as it's known. Mm-hmm. Um, is a date where uh, co- colonialists from Connecticut uh, that were uh, under the command, or I think he was the commander of a guy named John Mason. I don't know what the fuck's going on. My they life. set fire to uh, the Pequot Fort near the Mystic River. They shot anyone who tried to escape. Uh, and this was in retali- retaliation, uh, apparently, from some other Pequot attacks. Um, I learned about the Pequot massacre uh, when I was uh, a, a child, and my father was telling me about the atrocities that were uh, committed against the indigenous people, the native people of America. Mm. Okay. Um, this is a situation where guys stood at exits, uh, waited for the men to leave in the morning, murdered the entire village, uh, and then, you know, set fire to people, blocked it off so that they could burn. Okay. So I hope that everybody has a great Thanksgiving. <laughs> you just dropped that. Well, listen, that's just listen, like that, that actually that, that has nothing to do specifically with the the actual act of Thanksgiving that, you know, we're celebrating with all those people got fucked over eventually as well. But I hope people have a great Thanksgiving. What I want people to understand is this. I want people to understand how horrible the native genocide in North America was. As we're getting together with our families, as we're getting together with all people, because it's not about the original custom now, it's about something different. Mm -hmm. There are estimates, uh, some people estimate that above the Rio Grande, prior to the arrival of Western Europeans in America, that there were around 20 or 25 million uh, natives. Some say it's less, some say it's 10, some say it's little as eight, some say as much as 20 or 25 Mm -hmm. natives living above the Rio Grande and what we would consider to be now, I guess, America. Uh, I think now there might be 200,000. So, uh, or or somewhere around there. So I want you to consider that. That is the definition of genocide, the definition of, of what they never call it, which is Holocaust. Mm -hmm. The complete uh, decimation and disintegration of an entire culture. Mm -hmm. Now, it's it's one of the two original sins of America, one of which, of course, is the transatlantic slave trade that America was a part of, uh, and slavery as we know it, um, which birthed a lot of the socioeconomic uh, problems um, that we have in the country right now. And the the deep seated racism and distrust between different ethnic groups. Mm-hmm. The only thing I'm saying about that is this: history, as written by the American establishment, has had a way of sanitizing 
just how bad some of these things were. These are earth-shattering events. Earth-shattering events. This is the wiping out of the of a civilization. This is the bastardization of a culture. This is the worst shit. There are people listening to my voice. They're saying, Van, it happens all over the globe. It happens all the time. It's happened all throughout history. You are absolutely right that it has. You are absolutely right that it has. Just reminding everyone. But no one has tried to sweep it under the rug like Americans do. Exactly. It happened in your backyard too. And what we are selling, and if you care at all about that, if you care at all about that at all, with you, with your family, when you're hanging out, take two seconds to think about the civilization of people. Two seconds to think about the civilization of people that were wiped off the planet so you could enjoy your turkey. You shouldn't feel bad about it. You were born into it. But it's real. We hear a lot about how natives were murdered and massacred in this country, and that's very true and very valid. But something that people don't tell you a lot is how natives were stolen from. And not just the land that they were already living on was Mm -hmm. stolen from them, but uh, the Trail of Tears. Uh, When that happened, a bunch of Native Americans were marched from, you know, like the Great Plains over to uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Oklahoma, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oklahoma. When they got there, they were given land. They had slaves with them who some of them became part of those Native American tribes. And this land was sitting on oil reserves. And so these natives owned this land that was on the oil. (laughs) And then it was taken from them for scraps by white men who now own the oil in this country. So let's talk about that. Somebody needs to... If you're black or if you're native, you got Indian in your family, somebody needs to write you a check this Thanksgiving. Well, Mm -hmm. like... The, the, there's there's a tremendous human toll that's taking place and I don't want to get no I'm not going to be on the I'm listen I'm not going to be on I'm not going crazy my mama sending some gumbo out there uh, out here we're going to eat it whatever is the same deal I know it's about family but at the same time just remember have to keep our eyes open and our hearts open even sometimes when we're looking to the past John tell people what you got going on man uh Right now, I had I'm currently working on creating a one day film festival called Screen That Fest, where we bring up and coming filmmakers together with executives and um, producers to talk about their work and what to do after they've created their short film, and then try to create a community of people where you could just distribute the content amongst each other. Um, because a lot of people have like short films that they make and it just dies after the film festival. It's like mm. try to find a way to make funds out of that right short up. film and give a space for it. I'm also working on creating a 10 year documentary. Um, I've been in, I'm about to be in LA for about 10 years starting mm. next year. Give it up. Give yeah. it up. Yeah. Cause a lot of people yeah. don't make Congratulations. it. Yeah. 10 years, 10 years. So I'm trying to figure out like how, actually I figured out how I'm going to do it. Now I'm just compiling all the footage for the 10 last 10 years. What up? What up? Yeah. All right. Look, look, man, this was a good podcast, man. This group has some good chemistry. Um, this was fun. Yeah, yeah. I'm available if you need I a learned co-host. a lot. Uh, you're available if you need, if I need a co-host? You're yeah. just all kinds of available. I am. I'm available for, Jean, your 
If you're a film festival, I got a web series. Let's put it in. No, she's <laughs> like, listen, this, 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 I, I, that's why I love. <laughs> she's taking her, she is, she came in here, she's taking her shot. I love that. She never told me to turn the mic on. Also, <laughs> ladies, you know what I'm saying? I'm about six feet. I'm five, two. You are got, she said I'm about six feet. You know, feet. hit me up on the gram. All right, that's expensive. enough. We out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, you gotta follow, I gotta tell people to follow me on, on IG. Go for it. Um, if you want to reach me on social media, same name, different app, just Jean Ellie. That's J E A N E L I E. That's J E A N E L I E on all social platforms.